0: And I didn't think I'd ever stand behind the pulpit again. We had a long revival. First week of April was the last time that I was in the pulpit here. But I will say this, since that time, I have been enabled by God to see some very wonderful people born into the kingdom. And then we were at the Illinois camp this past week. We had a Holy Ghost rally on Thursday night. Uh, The people were challenged to bring everybody that they possibly could. And many, many, many visitors showed up. I don't know how many people we had in attendance, but their tabernacle is considerably larger than our tabernacle. And in a Thursday night service, we had 167 people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that great? Praise God! So since since April, I have been service, in services. To basically, two months. I've been in services in which about 240 people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, this if this will not boost your faith, nothing will. Praise God! Oh, Hallelujah! Take your Bibles and turn to. John 10, Sister Gilliam had her knee replaced, and she's been in service with us now for two weekends, but it is good to see her. almost said up and about, but I guess it's just about. (laughs) All right. John 10, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door. In other words, you can't cut a hole in the wall. You can't run through. You can't climb over the top. You can't scratch under the bottom. You can't go in by a window. you got to go through the door. Jesus said that he that entereth in not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then we look down at verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And I just want to speak this morning on the subject doors. And you may be seated. You notice how all of the stewardship people are lined up waiting for the door to open. I thought of some, uh, not too long ago I I, I was running way behind in, in, in my schedule and I started the morning bright and early before the stores opened and I needed to get something from the lumber company so I went over to fish lumber and I waited and I waited and I waited and I saw people going in but they didn't have much mercy on me the posted hours <clears throat> on the door said that they didn't open till a certain time and so I went and stood by the door thinking maybe they might open a minute or two earlier So I decided what I'd do then is just jump in the vehicle and run over to another place. And I got over there, and they were to open 30 minutes later. So I uh, jumped back in the vehicle, ran back over, and the other place was open, you know, just to save a moment's time. But I was so eager to get in. And finally got in, got what I was looking for. Except that they didn't have uh, a few little things, so I ended up back over to the second place that I went to a little bit later on today to pick up some things. But I thought about how eager I was to get inside. And then I thought about the house of God. You know, I think the house of God should be an inviting place. Uh, when the architect came, to draw some plans for our new auditorium that we're planning on building, he talked about our vestibule. We'd planned on doing maybe something a little different, maybe another one. He said, I think what you ought to do is expand this. He said, well, it is true that you have a cardboard on the front. He said, when you walk in here, it's, it's warm, it's friendly, it looks like home. You know, it's not cathedral ceilings and and a lot of marble and such, but it's just warm and friendly. It looks like home. He said, uh, "I think to me that that is such an appealing thing. Because when we uh, designed this building, uh, we were using the slogan a lot more than we use now. Welcome to the family of God. And we wanted to make it to make it look family fashion, warm, inviting. So when Sister Grant." And I, along with a few other people, maybe I should say a committee, uh, when we started picking out pictures and things, we got uh, human interest type pictures, things that just occur in everyday life, but things that you're interested in. To give it that warm, inviting feeling. Now, uh, Sometimes it's a little bit too inviting. Some people just go out there and sit there in service on the sofa. <coughs> The sofa is really closed down during during preaching service. <laughs> then I thought of some very humorous situations about about doors, people trying to avoid doors. I think one of the funniest ones that I heard, actually a couple. Maybe maybe I could be a little bit. Uh, uh, what should I say? <laughs> uh, I uh, talked with a, one of our preachers who was an evangelist at the time, and if I called his name, everybody here'd know, and some of you heard me tell the story. He said, You know, I don't really know <clears throat> he said if if Brother Pugh likes me or not. Now Brother Pugh is a was a home missions director of the United Pentecostal church for years and later went to Odessa, Texas. Brother Pugh is just such a fine man. But he told this evangelist, he said if you're ever in our area, he said, just come. Come by, and you can spend the night with us if you're traveling, and you don't have to worry about, worry about you know, hotel or motel accommodations. Just stay with us. And, and so I asked him, I said, well, why why do you think Brother Pew doesn't like you? He said, well, I had something to happen one time, and he, he proceeded to tell me. He said, you know, I, I stopped at his, we, we're going through Odessa, we didn't have any money. So I stopped at his house, I got the directory out. Ministers have a directory, we, we get a directory an- annually. And he said, I opened this up, and I saw where he lived, and I went there. He said, oh, it's just a nice, quiet neighborhood, you know, friendly atmosphere, nice home. And he said, I know uh, Brother Pugh so well. Now, the thing about it is, someone of national stature like Brother Pugh, you know, it is possible that you could know him and maybe him not know you. And I think that was the situation, (laughs) so... He said, when we got there, there was nobody at home. But, uh, you know, he had told us that it's all right. You just go back and spend the night with us. So he said, I uh, I uh, sat in the car for a long time, and it was a hot summer uh, day, and and sun was going down. Finally, it got dark, and we are sitting in the car. And I said, Man, it's so hot in this car. Odessa, Texas, let me tell you something. It's. it's uh, it's right close to Pecos, Texas, not far from Pecos. Pecos is where you hear the legendary stories of Judge Roy Bean. He's supposed to be the law west of the Pecos. He's supposed to, supposed to hung so many people. For, uh, I've been to Pecos. He didn't hang anybody. I can tell you there's not a tree out there tall enough <laughs> for anybody to hang from. You'd have to, they'd have to cut your legs off if they hung you there. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing there. Odessa's right on the, the verge of what you call nothing. So it was hot. We said, oh, we, and, and we saw, he said, that Brother Pew's house had a central air conditioning and unit. And so we checked the doors, and the doors were locked. <clears throat> he said, I just went around back, and would you believe, he said, I saw uh, that one of the windows was unlocked. And he said, it was closed, but it was unlocked. So he said, I took the screen off, <laughs> and I pushed the window up. <laughs> Yeah. And I crawled inside and went and opened the front door, and my wife came in. And uh, we thought, well, we'll just make ourselves at home, like Brother Pew told us, you know. <laughs> and of course, that was two or three years before this actually happened, they he told him that. that. And we'll just make ourselves at home here. And uh, so after a while, 10 o'clock, rolled around, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, no an brother and sister Pugh. I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, we went to bed. I said, "Well, how did you know which bedroom to go into to go to bed?" He said, "Well, <clears throat> we just picked out one that we, we you know, we knew it wasn't theirs. You could t- kind of tell which one was theirs, and so we we went to bed." He said, "Now, the thing about it is, sometime during the night, see, the pews came in and didn't know that this brother and his wife were sleeping in a nearby bedroom, <clears throat> and then, of course." On the other hand, the brother and sister sleeping in the near, nearby bedroom did not know that brother and sister Pew had come in. So, <clears throat> what happened was, he said, the next morning, he said, I got up and and, and went to the bath, and I was in the bathroom, and uh, all of a sudden, knock on the door. So, who's in there, anyway? Oh. He said, what a gruff way to invite guests. You know, to greet guests. <laughs> and so this brother said, it's me, Brother Pew. I'm Brother So-and-so, just gave him a name. <laughs> and brother Pew says, "Huh? Says, sorry, I don't think I know you. <laughs> <clears throat> I said, oh, you told me one time, you know, to come by and he said, "What are you? How'd you get in my house?" He said, "Oh, we've been here all night." He said, "All night?" Said, yeah. This brother said, "You know, I think he took offense to that." He said, <laughs> you know, that's usually what happens when you crawl in somebody's window. <laughs> but he told me, he "said You know, really," he said he he acted very. Indifferent and cold, you know. I don't, he wasn't, he's, I always thought he was a real friendly man. <laughs> just crawl in somebody's window and make yourself home. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, there's a prescribed way in which you visit my house. And you don't just show up when you want to show up. And you don't climb in where you want to climb in. You know, you just don't come in here and make yourself at home. We want you to be feel at home and we want this to be an inviting place. But you come in like everybody else. You know another funny story I heard about doors <clears throat> was uh, we had a, a man in our church several years ago by the name of John Larson. How many of you remember John? Big tall John. He's just fine guy, kind of a laid back guy from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. At least from that uh, area up there. And <clears throat> he just he was so accommodating, just so friendly, and he'd help anyone. And we got a girl in our church, and this girl had been on drugs and. Needless to say, you know, she just, she had some problems. And, <clears throat> of course, being that uh, she didn't have good transportation and such and not a lot of money, she she moved a lot. You know, she might move a couple of times a month. I remember when she enrolled her her child into public school. I remember the principal calling me and said, is this lady a member of your church? I said, well, she had 10, so I didn't know what the deal was, you know. You, you have to be careful, you know, when you... I, <coughs> I said, oh, yes, I know her well. He said, how ah, well do you know her? And I said, well, pretty good. So where does she live? I said, I don't have any idea. I said, well, she wrote on uh, <laughs> the reference, I mean, not reference, but for information, emergency information address, that she just put heaven. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, said, family physician, she put Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, she was sold out for the Lord, there's no doubt about it. But she had previously sold out to a lot of other things, which affected her a little bit. But uh, he, he just went right down reading. and You know, she had something like that on everything. But let me tell you what was happening. She wanted to move. So she got a little place over here right off of Fair Oaks Avenue. <clears throat> and it just was a little tiny place, but it was sufficient for her and her daughter. And she told John Larson, she said, now, John, I said, now, what I want you to do is come over and pick up uh, everything you can, put it in your car. Well, now, John, uh, he had been around, too. He was the type guy that, I don't I remember what kind of car he had, but it was some kind of a Chevrolet, small one. And you know he'd open up the trunk and, and just put a big old dresser just to be, be hanging out, you know, ropes all over. That's the way John was. I mean, if we can get it over there, fine. I don't care, you know. And so he was he was told this is this is what the girl told him. Said now <clears throat> when you get over there, John said I can't I can't go until after a campus service, uh, which uh, was over about nine thirty or so. And he said I think it'll be 10, ten ten thirty. She said, well, now the landlord's supposed to leave the door unlocked, but if you get over there and the door's locked, the the next door neighbor's door is just straight across the lawn, and it goes right into the basement, and the door's going to be open. And so the next door neighbor said, you can come in, put it there, just turn the light on, go downstairs, put it there, and uh, we'll get it moved uh, tomorrow. So here goes John trucking over there in the middle of the night, picking up this girl's Uh, furniture, comes all the way back over the east side with all this stuff sticking out the windows and doors and everything. And he goes up, and the door is locked. So he says, oh, can't go in this door. So he goes across this little short lawn there to the back door of this other house, and sure enough, the, the basement door, the door going in the back, it went right into the basement. Of course, there was another door that went into the kitchen area. So it was open. So he he pushed it open and and secured the uh, the storm door open screen. And he went out and he said, i got everything I could possibly get because I was in a hurry. And I'm going to take this downstairs. So I I go rumbling downstairs. And I drop this stuff, flip on the light, drop this stuff down, run back out the car, get another load. I'm just about to drop it in the basement. all of a sudden, I heard this voice ringing down the, the stairwell. I said, who is it? He said, oh, I'm John Larson. And the guy said, who is John Larson? And John says, I turned around and looked, and here is this guy with a double-barreled shotgun. i mean, pointing right down the stairwell, and here I am with all this stuff. He said, what are you doing in my house? He said, well, I'm moving. He said, you're not moving in with me. And the guy said, John says, no, he said, the girl that rented the house across the, across the way over here, he said, well, hold on a minute. What are you bringing her stuff in my house for? He said, well, she told me to. He said, well, I never met her. He said, well, she told me this door is going to be open. He said, was this door open? So, said, well, yeah. He said, she told me. I said, we never leave our doors open. Now, I don't know who that lady is, but we've never met her. So he called his wife, and she came and said, do you know this girl? She said, no, I never met her. And he said, here I had two loads of furniture already in this house. But the door was open just like she said. So... He said, I want you to talk with her, Brother Grant. There's just something going on that shouldn't be... I don't know what the deal is. So when I I met with her and met with John, and I said, now, John says that you told him the door was open. He said, yes, I I did. I said, did you think it would be open or what? She said, yes, I thought it would be open. It was open. Brother Grant, it was. And I said, but the guy said he never met you. Have you met him before? She said... Well, I thought for sure I had. I said, no, wait a minute. You can't be so vague on this. I mean, here's a guy that just almost sent John Larson to jail, you know. Actually, he could have sent him past the jail, you know. (laughs) He had a double real shotgun. So I said, well, the guy says he never opens the door. She says, well, I thought he told me that. I said, do you specifically remember meeting him and meeting his wife? She said, Well, I don't think I dreamed that. I said, she'd been on drugs, you know. I said, Well, wait a minute, John, how how would you know where the light switch was and everything? And so I asked her that. She says, Well, I don't know. I said, Well, did you go in the guy? Did you go in the house? He said, no I said how did you know that the back door went right in the basement she says I don't have a clue how I knew that I so said I was fishing for some, for some information that I thought kind of get John off the hook because he was supposed to go back over there and talk to this man because the man was wanting to call the police well <clears throat> at any rate I couldn't get any place with her she didn't have any idea So John went over there and introduced this couple to their new neighbor. (laughs) And the neighbor says, well, please be advised that our door will be locked. And you're not to come in our house again in the middle of the night. I just don't think I've ever heard of anything so bizarre. But I will say this in a spiritual sense. That there are some very bizarre things that take place spiritually speaking. People trying their best to make an entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Now, a door basically, you know, it, it provides entrance or passage, but it, it's also used not just to enter, but to, to exit. Uh, you notice we have exit signs around. If we don't, if we don't have these signs lighted when the fire department comes through and they come in about once a quarter in fact they just came in we had one of them out over here and we had to fix that not only we had to fix it they write us an official letter and if it isn't fixed within a number of days we can be fined I don't really know why you need that there because when you get there you can see the door you can see outside but they say it has to be lighted so we comply but see that's not just an exit it's actually an entrance to the outside you follow what I'm saying you know it's just another way of looking at it (laughs) basically when you think of a door you don't think of something you go out of it's something you you enter into All right. I should have told all these funny stories now you folks started laughing and got me in a crazy mood But as, as, as inviting as we like to make this place, we do have an alarm system. Uh, someone not too long ago came in not knowing that it, the alarm system was not armed. They came in and punched in the code. Thus, arming the system, came in here to pray. And see this little uh, gizmo up here in the ceiling? A gizmo, that's a good uh, Texas word for whatever it is, gizmo. And there's one back here. I notice you Yankees don't say gizmo. You say whatchamacallit. But the whatchamacallit and the gizmo, (laughs) there's a little red light on that. Is the red light on? You, You can't see it, okay. Now, if you move around much, the red light will come on. That means it detects you. And when it detects you, without you knowing now, it automatically calls the police. Now, right now, it's turned off, so the police will not be called. But what that serves is if someone's locked in here when we secure the building, if they move around much without them knowing, the police are called. So all of a sudden, policemen are looking in, you know, Greg Martin's up here with his flashlight shining. around. And, you know, they they take this very, very seriously, too, I'm telling you. We've had some people that set it off. And the policeman would hold them until I came, and and, and vouch, you know, these are dyed in the wood wool supporting members of Calvary Gospel Church. Now a few people, you know, I, I didn't want to vouch for them. I wanted to pay their tithe, pay a, pay a, pay their dues before I vouched it. To remember, that was just a joke. Seriously, it was. I didn't really mean that. But, but but I'm telling you, we've had a couple of ladies to set it off. And, and when, when I got here, they were just shaking like a leaf. So they won't let me go. I said, oh, I know they won't let you go. And I remember one time that the, the police blocked up here, and and they really thought there was an intruder uh, because someone had attempted, someone had pried a window open on this side over here. Uh, a few days, they and when they came in that night, they had guns, and they had those guns drawn. They said, look, in other words, you go in here when it's proper. You go in here when you're invited. You go in here when the door is open. And when the door is not open, you just don't go in. That's just that's how serious they are. So it's inviting, you know, it's it almost seems like a double standard. You fix it all up saying, Everybody's welcome. And then all of a sudden it's locked up and a police gun is drawn and said, You stay out, buddy. You know, I I thought so much about the kingdom of God, and I I thought about men trying to get into the kingdom of God. I I think one of the big problems that that we see is that that everybody has their own idea as to how they want to be saved. You know, we're talking about being saved. And and, and some people have this, you know, and some have this. In other words, some want to go through the window, Someone like to slip in when everybody else is, is in, maybe stay for a while. Jesus gives a parable about a man attending the wedding feast, which is an equivalent story without a wedding garment on. It's just a way, another way of putting it. And today, you know, there's a lot of emphasis placed on doors. Years gone by, I, you know, I've been involved in, in uh, construction of homes, in years gone by, I mean, a door was a door. Now there's a lot of emphasis placed on the door, the front door, you know, beveled glass, stained glass. I mean, I mean you, you you name it, you know, you can spend any, any amount, thousands of dollars on an entrance door, a front door. And people are wanting to make their place look very inviting, but I will assure you that if you get in your car and you drive through the block and you find an inviting door, of those doors will be locked. Now, it doesn't mean you can't come in. It means you come in only by invitation. You may want to come in, but if you knock on that door, someone will ask your name, and they will want to know why you're there. And I think it's pretty much that way also in the kingdom of God. Did you know you cannot even approach God properly without an invitation? You think of it. I remember one time I was preaching. I preached a message, or taught a message. Maybe I should say on the new birth. And a man just walked up to me. It was a, It was kind of a, a, a strange thing. He just walked up to me after service, stood right in front of the pulpit, and I, and I went down and, and I met met him. in the way he was, he was a businesslike, you know. I, I I wanted to find out what was his need. He said, well, you talk about baptism? I'm ready to be baptized." Just stood there. I said, do you understand baptism? He said, yep. I said, oh, you've been studying your Bible? He said, no, you explained it. Now, the approach seemed to be so indifferent. I said, "Uh, do you believe that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost? He said, I guess so. I said, why do you believe that? He said, well, you said he would. I said, you want to live the rest of your days for, for God? He says, I suppose so. I said, what makes you think? You know, you use the word supposed So, what is? You know, I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't quite figure out where this man was coming from. But after talking to him for a, for some time, he was approaching the subject solely from an intellectual standpoint. The pastor said it, it's in the Bible. I talked to him about sin. I talked to him about God directing him. He didn't. Have, he just didn't seem to have a clue. I, most people are not that way. I remember preaching one time about a reprobate, or the the reprobate that's spoken of in the Bible, not a particular one. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask Sharon Johnson go in the other room so I can finish. it. But <clears throat> the thing about it is, when I preached about the reprobate, I. <laughs> And some people, this one person that that has in the past—this you know, has been years ago—and this person is no longer a member of our church. Would you know this person would come and say, you, "You don't think I can be saved, do you?" And I said, "Well, my, I thought you were saved, you know." But but you, this person, this man, was always concerned about the the unpardonable sin. He was, I'm serious with you. An evangelist would come by us. And, or a missionary. Talk about soul winning. If he hadn't won a lot of souls, he felt he couldn't be sad. I said, let me tell you something. You're not a reprobate. How do you know? I said, well, first place, if you were a reprobate, you would not be concerned. If you were a reprobate, you wouldn't even be here today. You wouldn't be interested in talking about this. You wouldn't be interested in coming to the house of God. You'd be off doing your thing and church would be the furthest thing from your mind. And salvation and even being lost. Because when when darkness, spiritual darkness sets in, you have an aversion to church attendance, an aversion to faith. And And, and I guess this was a rare situation with this man coming down because most of the time, you know, you can beg and plead for people to give a a real hard earnest look at where they are and, and some people won't do that for this man to just come down and say well you said do it you know so i talked to the man about sin and would you believe while i was talking to him all of a sudden as i began to give my own personal testimony i noticed that his whole complex it was almost like he was wilting you know his his mouth was hanging open like we took this man, we knelt at the altar with him. Some of the brethren came and prayed with him. A service or so later, we baptized him in Jesus' name. and It was filled with the Holy Ghost. This man told me, he said, when I first came up and talked with you, I, had, I didn't even have a clue as to what was going on. Now, I could have taken and baptized the man, but you see, the truth of the matter is, I cannot, I, I, I can only tell a man what he needs to be saved. Salvation is left up to this man and God. But I know this, that there is that drawing, that compelling, that pulling. And I'd like to think that 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 God is always standing there waiting for you to come. And and I would like to think that just as we have greeters by the door and and people to invite you, that it's also that way in the kingdom of God. In fact, we have them stationed by our door to greet you when you come in and to uh, and to accommodate you as much as possible and to seat you and make you feel friend, uh, make friendly, make you feel welcome by, by us being friendly. And why do we do that? Because we think that church attendance quite often is the key to an entrance into the kingdom. But after we do all that, we can't save a soul because we don't have the power to. After we do all that, we can't, we can't unlock the door to eternal life for you. We cannot do that. As inviting as everything is and as inviting as we want it to make it, we can't do that. And you see, the, the strange thing about all this, and, and, and I've already alluded to it a little bit, is, is that, that here you, 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 people get their own ideas. You know, you you think when you drive up and down the road you think of all the different doors you see. You know, I, I remember one time seeing this huge building, <coughs> big brick building, and I was told to go there. And, but it looked like a back door, it's just a steel door just set in in all this this brick. I thought, man, this can't be the front door. It had a number on it. This is the strangest door I've ever seen for such a big building. But you know what? It was the front door. I asked about it and said, "Well, this was a, a remodeled old building. It was used for a warehouse, and we just haven't gotten around to putting the front door. But that was the strangest thing. I think the most puzzled I've ever been about doors, though, was when they opened a the Cracker Barrel over here on the east side. How many of you eaten this Cracker Barrel? <clears throat> Man, I have, I'll tell you. I've eaten there several times. (laughs) They have soul food there turnip greens and okra. Elise, now I know your problem. I've always known there was something missing. In your diet. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> the most confusing, really. Uh, the cracker Barrel opened, and, and Roy and Lois said, uh, "You got to go to Cracker Barrel with us." Oh, that's fine. All right. So we went over there, and it was four hours and forty-five minute wait. <laughs> <clears throat> Not really, but it was a long wait. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm standing there, and I'm saying, "You know, you look at all this stuff in there, and all these little gadgets, and, and, and all these little tricks, and everything." The crazy thing though is I thought, well, <clears throat> what I should do before I eat, I should go into the restroom and I'd been in church and washed the fellowship off my hands, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> now so I, I go in the in the restroom and I'll tell you what somebody I don't know if this was a gag or what. When you start to go out, you're in the men's room, see? <laughs> You start to go out, and on the back side of that door, it says, Ladies. <laughs> I'm serious with you. I don't know if any of you noticed that or not. And it says, Ladies. So I, I was about to go, I said, Oh. So I, I came back, and I looked around, and I said, I thought I was in the wrong room. See? <laughs> I said, I, I am in the ladies room. But after careful examination of all the facilities... I realized hey, I am actually in the men's room, but see, there was nobody in there to help me. I said, and I looked around. There's no door. I said, I didn't go through the ladies' room. Now, this this is a true story. I'm serious with you. I I was the most confused person. I stood there. I looked at that, I said, What is going on? I just I'm serious. I said, I have never so I went back and I searched for for a door. I said, There's there's only one door out of here. Now why would they do that? So I I get up there and I I push that door slightly and I look (laughs) and I saw it just goes right out in the in the restaurant. Now I don't know why they did that, but I know one thing, they confused this preacher. I mean I was thoroughly confused. Now, I don't know if any of you if it was that way or not. I, I told Sister Grant to go in the ladies' room and see if it said men on the back. I almost fainted, I'm serious with you. If you if you'd have checked my pulse at that time, I barely was alive. I just never had anything to scare me so. Now, the thing about it is, you know, you have to be careful nowadays. <laughs> now, somehow I've got to make all this spiritual, you know. I've got to make all this fit. Now, how am I going to do it? <clears throat> you know, seriously speaking. <laughs> oh, well. I want to drink some water. <laughs> Don't you wish you had a glass? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget this message, okay? <laughs> you know, the thing about it is <clears throat> there are a lot of doctrines in the world that really are confusing. Now, if you don 't know anything about scriptural principles or you don't know the principles of life, some of them are very inviting and uh, quite sensible but but i am i'm amazed at how confusing some of these can be. I remember one time I met with a group of ministers and, and we were on a panel. I happened to be one minister of about ten on a panel and when the question was asked what what does it take to be saved? What do you have to do to be saved? I, out of the ten, I think there was only one or two preachers there, myself included, that that had an answer to the people who asked the question: "Is what do you have to do to be saved?" I was I was amazed. There were several large denominational preachers that, uh, when they were asked, I said, "Well, uh, when a child is born in the world, they talked about baptism of children. Then talk about confirmation. Then they talked about just you know you got to you got to do right, you got to do good, and it, it was it was very very iffy. In in fact, uh, when I thought of." When I thought of the apostles, I, I could not in any way, I couldn't even imagine someone going up to the, the apostle Paul or Peter and saying, sir, what, what should I do to be saved? And and, and Peter's saying, well, Bubba, I'm not ready for sure. I don't really know. Don't think, in fact, I haven't really given much thought to it. Because see, their whole business was saving people. I mean, there's one thing that, you know, and I'm not here to just just down preachers, but if there's anything a preacher needs to know is how how to be saved and how to tell people. So I, I could not feature anyone walking up to, to Paul or any of the apostles and saying, what should I do to be saved? And and the, and the apostle just kind of drawing a blank look like, Oh, I guess I never thought about that. I guess I just never thought about it. See, see, one of the ministers on the panel said, Well, I guess maybe I should give more thought to, to really what, you know, in other words, somebody might ask me that question again. What is it? he didn't say that part, but, I I mean, I, I just don't, I can't believe that. Now, in Matthew 16, Peter received a revelation of who Jesus was. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremus, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom. In other words, what he's saying is that, Peter, because you had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and this revelation, this revelation will be the basic foundation upon which the church will be built. In other words, <clears throat> if you're going to go into heaven, you've got to you've got to knock on the Jesus door. You don't look for any other door. It's got to be the Jesus door. Because Jesus is there behind that door waiting for you. Now, this is just a way that is put in the Scripture. We know that, that, that many examples and, and types of the Scripture can be be given in an entirely different way. We believe that Jesus goes out and meets the person and, and greets the person. But in this sense, in which this, is, this example is given, He is the door, He's standing behind the door, the door is labeled Jesus, and you need to have a revelation of who is standing behind that door. See, John eight twenty four, except ye believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. John eight twenty seven, they understood not that he spake to them concerning the Father. See, Jesus Christ was was more than just a mere man. He was the Savior, the God that created the world, that came robed in human flesh to came to come to this earth to save man. Peter had that revelation. And and Jesus said, I'm I'm going to give to you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom. And and in other words, you will be responsible, basically, for for making an entrance, for opening the the door. And that's exactly what happened at the birth of the church in, in Acts, the second chapter. Isn't that what happened? Peter stood up. It was not by accident that Peter was chosen to preach on the day of Pentecost when the church was first established or when the Lord sent back the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It was not by accident that this man stood and preached. He had the revelation. He was given the keys. So in Acts, the second chapter, if you would be so kind as to turn there with me, uh, he is preaching Jesus Christ to them. 120 people have been filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. I remember years ago when, you know, we, we'd pray a few people through, and oh, it was so great. And I'm not trying to take away anything from the past. I have such precious memories of the past. But I, I was—I just always wanted to be in a service in which, you know, we we would duplicate the upper room, the you know, Pentecost, and uh, Thursday night this past week, 167 people. That's 47. More people filled with the Holy Ghost in one service than what was filled in the upper room. But let me tell you something. When Billy Cole stood and preached, he was preaching the same thing that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Had the same keys in his hand. Approached the same. There was a heaviness in their hearts. There was something there that says, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. I want to go beyond the door. I want to find Him. I want to... I want to go to heaven someday. I want to live in the presence of God forever. They were pricked in their hearts and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter scratched his head and said, I don't have a clue. (laughs) Don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, you're talking about Jesus. You're talking about going to heaven. You're talking about living eternally. What are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to be baptized when you're a little baby. But we're not babies anymore. But you can't affect something like that, can you? Somebody asked me, what's the what's the key to longevity? Living long. I said, we well, got to choose the right parents. It's hereditary, you know. But you see, you can't do anything about it. When you're a grown man, what your parents did. Can you? Supposed to be confirmed when you're 12, but we're way past 12. Nobody baptized us, and we're way past 12. Well, what you need to do, you need to go to catechism again. You need, you know. No, he knew exactly. Because he had a revelation of who Jesus was. Listen to what he said. Listen to me carefully. Then Peter said unto them, repent. That's key number one. Repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's key number two. You notice keys he had. Not just a key. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Key number three. And those keys unlock the door to eternal life for everybody. Notice notice what happens, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. All the way down to June 18, 1995 in Madison, Wisconsin. If you want to be saved you got to go through the door. How do I get through the door? The, the keys must unlock the door. If you want to be saved today, basically you need to repent. Repentance is not a long, drawn-out thing unless you make it that. Somebody asked me just recently, how come some people have to repent a long time and some people, they just simply say, God... I'm sorry, and they get on with their, their business. Because some people, when they say, I'm sorry, they really are not. They hang on for a long time. The reason why that repentance is so difficult for some people is because they don't die so easy. You know that? They hang on. They struggle. But for some reason, we think the greater the struggle, the greater the repentance is. In other words, the more valid that's not true. You don't have a scripture for that. There are some people that can just know in their heart it's wrong. And they know what it needs, they have to do to be saved. They feel the tugging of God inside. And they just simply say, God, forgive me. They just lump them all together and throw them at the cross and say, here they are, Lord. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm undone. I need salvation. Others, you know, they like to pick them out one at a time. See, you remember that little lie I told the Lord back when I was, you know, they go down, listen, I could never have done that. I'd still be repenting. Now that doesn't mean I don't repent now, but I'm saying I would never have approached the pl- place in which I would have could be born again. Man, when I was a little kid, I got three whippings a day. Somebody asked about all these grain signs that I have running around here. I said, "Well." you got to look at Vern Washburn, Irv Manley, and John Grant. Two of them are good, but I'll tell you, I was a mean little kid. You know, you just have to lump all those things together. And, and you know, some people are that way in, in life, though. You know, you just say, hey, I... <laughs> God just has to forgive me, and that's and you just simply turn away and walk away from it and say, "Look, I was a sinner, but His blood's going to take that sin away," and you got to believe that, and, and and then you you understand that that because that repentance is 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 the death of the old man, then the old man needs to be removed or buried with him in baptism. That's what baptism is. We're buried with him in baptism. And then, finally, we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. God is pouring out his spirit, getting his church ready. I'm planning on going to Ethiopia this next February with Brother Cole. Uh, he put a little pressure on me this past week. I did promise him now. For, I have promised him for three years. But I'm planning on going. In a four-hour service in Ethiopia last February, 78,000 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And all of the ranks, charismatic rank, Pentecostal, all the ranks, it is being advertised worldwide that never before in the history of the human race has so many people been filled with the Holy Ghost at one time. In other words, God's getting this church ready to leave this world. I'd like for you to stand with me. <clears throat> While I have told this, perhaps being a little bit more, what should I say? shouldn't have been so goofy at times, I guess. There are other words, but I put it like it is. The truth of the matter is, I, I really... I have fun preaching, and I have fun living for God, but I'm serious about this business of receiving the Holy Ghost. One lady came in, and she said, Oh, now I know why so many people at Calvary Gospel Church get to the Holy Ghost. said, Pastor Grant tells them they can, and they should, and they believe it. <clears throat> and she asked me. I said, That's exactly right. And you know, you can receive the Holy Ghost. Our revival ended last week. But it really didn't end. Because God has not stopped pouring out the Holy Ghost. And if you're here today without the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost. You can be rapture ready before you leave this place. You can of your sins. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. And you can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's lift our hands and let's worship God. Now our praise singers will begin to sing momentarily. I want to give you an invitation now to come and give your heart to God. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God. Why don't you step out right now and come. You can receive the Holy Ghost if you'll come down here. Just come and stand on either side of the pulpit. Today is a great day for you to be filled with His Spirit. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on right now. But by Thy grace, and Thy grace alone, oh, into Thy presence we come. God bless this man who's making his way down to the front. To Thy presence oh, God. we come. Praise God. Some more of you men come and pray with us, gentlemen. Of any works we have done. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We need some ladies to come here, too. But by thy grace grace. and thy grace grace. alone, you can make your entrance into the kingdom of God today. Come on right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
1: Oh, thank you, Lord.
0: That's it. Give your heart to the Lord. Jesus is alive and Jesus is real and Jesus is filling with the Holy Ghost and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost Grace, the Lord, into the we come. oh hallelujah there's still room for you to come there's time for you to come This is a great opportunity to come.